as I continue on this journey, I just can't seem to figure out this one particular thought process that goes through the head of many people when I sit down and talk to them. One of the problems that I struggle with when trying to explain to people how finances work is time value of money factor. Now, I don't want to get too technical in this episode, but I need you to understand one thing. I I don't know your age um, or the demographics of the people who are listening to my channel. I can I can get a good idea of where people are listening from and what type of devices they're listening from, but I don't know the demographics. So let me just go ahead and move to my point. The time value of money works very strange because most people think that you could do an investment or save your money and just arrive at an amount overnight. And it takes time. And and one thing that we have in this day and age is we just don't have a lot of time. But the proven fact of investing is it just takes time, right? And it's, it's like you go to plant something in your backyard and you keep coming back every day and checking. He says, hey, I, I planted, you know, some type of, of vegetable in my backyard and I keep going back there and it's just not there. It's just not there. And you're waiting, you're waiting. That's really the same philosophy when it comes to investing. You have to be a long-term investor and you have to be able to allow your investments to at least run in an investment cycle. I call it an investment cycle because it runs about five to seven years because the the economics of just pure numbers and the way the economy is put together, it's going to contract and expand every seven years, every five to seven years. I mean, right now we're seeing some we're in unprecedented times, um, but your overall average, it takes a market cycle to run five to seven years. And if your investments are at work and you've gotten into your investments at a good time, then you have, you enjoy the benefits of the rise of the actual um, investment over time. If you get in the right investment, then it really doesn't matter if you're going to make money or in the short term or the long term, you're just going to make a lot of money off of dividends over the period of time. And so what I want to do in this episode is is to kind of give you five elements and five breakout pieces what your money can do once it leaves your your pocket right so if i had five dollars to come in let's just say i had five dollars and i wanted to do something with it i'm using very round numbers i'm just use five dollars just to to kind of give you an example of what you could do with five dollars there's only five things It's probably more than five, but there's five core things that you can do when your money comes in. You can take the five dollars, leave it in cash, right, or bury it in your backyard or do like some of my older clients used to do. Put it in the back of a mayonnaise jar in the back of your refrigerator. I don't know. I had one client do that and it just it scared me. She was an older client. She said she didn't trust anybody. And um so you can just hold it in cash, right? You can hold it in cash. You don't do anything with it. You don't touch it. It doesn't do anything. 
Let me tell you the challenge of just holding it in cash. And you may know this, you may not, but it's just, I want to go through a thought process of all five stages. And when we go through and we think about them, the, the, what happens to you is when you put it in cash, if it sits anywhere for longer than a day, you've lost money. I was like, well, how could that be possible, Jenny? I mean, you're just coming up with stuff. You're just saying stuff. Uh, it's funny. I try to talk to myself in the third person because I know you guys are saying, well, wait a minute. How does it lose money in a day? It does because money moves daily, right? Being in the markets daily, you're going to make some kind of money, right? If, if it's, if the interest rates are at least, you know, 1% or better than 1% or a little bit better than uh, anything over a percentage point, you're going to make money daily. Right. And so I don't want to get into the technicalities and I don't want to talk about any investment vehicles. I just wanted to let you know that your money makes money daily. Right. So if your money set in the back of the refrigerator or in a shoebox under your bed or buried in your backyard in a big treasure chest or a trunk that we used to have when I was in the military. <laughs> if you buried it in a backyard, it's not going to do you any good. You're going to lose what we call purchasing power. So basically your money erodes and you lose your purchasing power. So let's say you did buried in your backyard. And he says, you know, I'm going to bury my money and I'll pull it out when I need it. And so you pull it out in one year to be exact. So you pull it out in one year, what you could have bought with that dollar last year, you're not going to be able to buy with that dollar this year because you've lost purchasing power because the price of services and goods and the inflationary um, factors would put you in a position where you've lost maybe two and a half to 3% of your purchasing power because of the average inflationary rate is about 2.7 to 3%, then you've lost money because your money didn't earn anything. Right. And, and while we're on that topic and that discussion, most people think, well, I'll just save my money in the bank. Well, then again, you might as well bury your money in the backyard because if a bank is paying you, and that used to be the rule of thumb. And I'm not going to say that, that I'm not discounting that, but I don't know your age group. I don't know your demographics. So I'm going to speak to a lot of different age groups in this particular episode. But if you are of an older generation, it would have been okay to put your money in the bank because you would have gotten a, a fairly good return. You could have gotten anywhere between, I don't know, five, six percent. And you could have got a CD for 11 percent if you go way back. But those times are gone. Right. Those times you can really you'd be lucky. You know, you'd have to find the best bank in the world to give you more than one percent annually on your savings. Right. So what did I just say there? Let's do a really re quick recap. If I told you inflation is growing at I think it, I want to say it's at 2.7. Last time I checked, it was at 2.7, closer to 3% on an annual basis. If everything up around me, if, if everything around me is going up 3% on an annual basis, 
I saved my money in the bank for one year on an annual basis. And they pay me a little less than 1%. Well, I've lost money again. So I put my money in the bank to say, hey, um, I want to save my money. You are saving your money, but you're losing purchasing power. Your money is not keeping up. You know, you, it's like getting on a treadmill and it's just not keeping up. You you know, you go to the gym and you get on a treadmill. Someone's running super fast. And you're like, why are they running so fast? So you try to turn your dial up to try to keep up with them. But next thing you know, you roll off and you go onto the floor. That's your money working, right? Your money cannot keep up with the inflationary um, prices just sitting still, right? And so that particular piece is what you need to understand and get first. So that's cash, right? So I gave you two things. I gave you cash, but I gave you income as well. So income is the second element. But cash is when you're just sitting in straight cash, not doing anything with it. We already know, and I already explained to you that money sitting in cash is just not going to help you, right? So if you're on social security on a fixed income, your money sitting in cash, it just, it, it's not going to be able to keep up enough, right? I'm not saying go and just do anything with your cash. I'm just saying, hey, understand some of the vehicles that are out there that at least give you an opportunity to be able to keep up with inflation. And so I moved to income next because income is the next piece I gave you. I told you I wanted to give you uh, five pieces. This is piece number two. And piece number two is when you try to make money off of your money. So off the $5 that I had, I, one of my options was I can bury it in the backyard and that would just be keeping it in cash. Number two would, I would try to make income off of my money, off of the $5, which I would, I would take to the bank because if I kept it in a savings account, at least at the bank, I would be able to get some kind of end up income off of it. So I says, Hey, you know, I need to make some money off of this $5. So I'll at least save it in the bank. It's better than buried in a backyard, which it's zero. So I'll try to make something off of it. So I'll put it in the bank. So when I put it in the bank again, um, it, it yields less than 1% or maybe 1%. I mean, if you're really lucky, you can probably get 1%. I just doubt it, but that's our struggle. And so that's the next element of this, the particular five pieces. So income, so we started with cash. We know what we have. Cash is our base. If I have nothing else, I know for a fact that I have $5 in my pocket. It's when I try to make money off of my $5 is when things get interesting. And so we, the safest place to go or the most convenient place to go or where everyone can go or where everyone has access to is to the bank. The problem with that is any instrument in the bank, just walking in, seeing a teller, um, purchasing a CD, and it, none of those are going to allow you at this particular time at the re, at the time that I'm recording this, this episode, nothing in the bank is going to get you anything more than what inflation is going to bring you. So if inflation is growing at 2.7 or 3%, there's nothing in the bank. I can get out of my car, walk in the bank, stand in a line and, or for these times go, you know, make an appointment to go in the bank, right? Cause everybody can't be in the bank at the same time. But if I made an appointment, went in the bank, sat down, sat in a chair, there's nothing that they can do for me. Hey, I, I have, 
$5 or, Hey, I have $5,000, right? Um, I want to make some money off of this. I want to be super ultra safe and I don't want anything to happen to my money. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll give you a CD or certificate of deposit. <laughs> it's funny, you know, as a stockbroker, we'd have a, you would have a running joke. We call it a certificate of depreciation because as soon as you bought one, your money would depreciate because it was a never enough to keep up with inflation. Not in my time, right? Maybe back, uh, early eighties, right? Uh, late seventies, right? You can get a nice return. Now you, you can't do that. So the challenge with that, again, it's a safe place. We says, Oh, it's a safe base. It's a bank. And let me, let me tell you something. And if you've listened this far, because I always try to add different things in my episodes and I'll call them Easter eggs, right? Everybody says, Oh, he had something hidden in there. You didn't hear that. One of the things that I, that I, that I share with my, my classes when I'm teaching is, um, there's a bank on every corner for one reason and one reason only, and you need to understand that and you need to get that. Um, there's a, there's a bank on every corner for deposits. That's it. They want the frequent deposits. They want to be the depository place because the more deposits that they have, the more lending and investing that they could do off of said deposits. So if you have a bank that says, Hey, we need to have a bank on every corner. We need to have a bank in every city. Uh, I remember when they went through this phase of buying and merging banks, it was all about getting footprint. It was all about getting the assets and capturing assets from different communities throughout the, um, the United States. And so what they did is they had a bank on every corner. Those banks were for deposits. And so because I can make money daily as an investor, as a bank, I can make money daily because money moves daily. So you can put in your $5. I could make 10% off of it and give it back to you tomorrow. And as a $5, because you, you wouldn't have made any money off of it. Uh, hopefully that makes sense to you. But that's the real reason why banks are on every corner. It's, it's for deposits uh, because they can do a lot more with your money. They can lend it out. Right. They could um, they could do a home mortgage or something like that. Right. Which that's a whole nother podcast. I really want to get into that. And the reason why um, 30 year mortgages are just obsolete um, unless you're doing an investment property. So that's another story. But so you you have this challenge of you wanting to be safe with your money, but you really can't be because if you're not inside the markets in some shape, form, or fashion, you're not going to be able to keep up with the markets. And so we talked about two elements. Let's do a recap as we kind of, as I kind of bring this to a close. And I may not be able to get into full detail with all the five elements, but I want to give you some thinking. And I want to give you, I want you to start thinking about what your money is doing when it leaves your hand. So the, the third alternative, so we talked about income. It's really challenging to get income. You can go and buy a bond, right? Uh, if you buy a bond, you know, I don't know. You, you probably can get maybe 4%, 5%, 6% on a corporate bond, maybe 7%. But after taxes, you know, or if you buy a tax-free bond, you'd be in better situation. I may do a podcast on that as well, but let's say you got a bond because bond is income, right? 
if I bought a bond, my word is my bond. I say, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you. So that's kind of that term, you know, my word is my bond. And a bond is an exchange for debt. So if a company or a municipality, municipality, something that serves a community, right? A library or hospital or something like that. This is, Hey, we need to issue bonds, right? Because it's two ways they can raise money. They can raise it through capital, which get investors or have people invest, or they can raise it through debt, which is a bond. And if they go and it says, Hey, if, if people buy our bonds, then we will pay them an interest rate on it. And so that interest rate to you in exchange would be income or in the form of a, um, interest payment. Right. And so interest payments are considered in the income category, but that's you'd have to be buying a bond or something that's going to produce an income for you, an interest payment for you. And so that would leave us in the income category. So we talked about CDs. We talked about bonds. I mean, we talked about, you know, I don't know, savings account. Those are different things that's going to bring you income because your five dollars has left your pocket. Now you want to make money on it. But let me tell you where the magic happens. Right. Well, I'll tell you at the end where the magic happens. So let me skip ahead here and let me go to not the third one, but I'll go to the fourth one because I'll come back to the third. But the fourth one is growth, right? And you says, hey, listen, I want my money to go out and grow with for me. I wanted to at least have an opportunity to keep up with inflation and probably even bring me some change back as well. Right. When I was a kid, my mom says, hey, go to the store, take this five dollars and bring me back my change. Right. And that's what you do when you go to the growth category. Right. You say, I want to not only keep up with inflation, but I want my money to grow. I put five dollars in. I want it to turn to eight dollars at least. Right. And so then you look into the growth category. Um, you're sending your money out for pure growth. Don't, uh, look for your money to come back immediately because money needs to at least go through the growth cycle needs to go through at least an economic cycle, probably five to seven years in order to get some kind of growth out of it. So that's what you'd be getting with that. And it's only growth. It's not going to bring you any income back. It's not, don't look for anything else. Just look for growth. Right. And if you know anything about investing and you're probably even familiar with some of these terms is when you're looking at growth, you're looking at a longer time horizon. Right. So income. Yeah. I mean, I can do something maybe in once a quarter or maybe once a year growth. You got to kind of put it in the pressure cooker or the slow cooker, if you will, uh, or the crock pot. You got to leave it in there for a little while. You got to let it run all day. Right. So um, you put that in there and that's growth. So that's the fourth element. Now, let me give you the fifth and then I'm going to come back to the third as I close out. Um, the fifth element is aggressive growth. Right. So when you put your money out there for aggressive growth, you know, it's like when you go to the crap table, he says, hey, let me get aggressive growth. Right. I'm going to put it all on aggressive growth. Right. And so when you go there and the odds of you hitting aggressive growth are pretty high, but when you hit, you hit big. If you've ever been to Vegas, you've ever been to one of these slot machines and 
and you're, you're, you're playing a slot machine, you're just sitting there, you're pulling the handle, you're pressing the buttons. And then all of a sudden you hear someone else go ding, 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 ding. And you look over, he says, man, somebody hit. And all you can hear is those, those pans hitting all those, those coins. And he said, someone hit big. That's aggressive growth, right? But what you didn't know when that person hit big is they'd already put like $2,000 into the machine, but then they hit five or 10 back. Right. And so it's one of those things. Aggressive growth is you are taking the most aggressive position you possibly can for an unlimited opportunity to hit big. Now, let me tell you what aggressive growth was. And I just want to give you an example before we close. And then I'm going to go ahead and give you the third option. Aggressive growth is taking a chance on a small company, a small video company that says, hey, we are going to uh, deliver um, CDs to everyone's home. Right. The same company went into Blockbuster Video and I says, hey, listen, we want you to buy us because we think we're on to something. We think we're on to an opportunity um, that we're moving towards. And the Blockbuster the blockbuster executives <laughs> get out of here. That would be crazy. Why would we invest in you? We'd cannibalize our own business. We have a blockbusters on every corner and we're in every city. Why would we invest in you? Because you'd be moving to, a, to delivering the videos and possibly creating a digital format for everybody. Why would we do that? So no, we're not interested. Okay. So the founders of Netflix just left with their heads between their tails and just walked out and they felt defeated. So then they start on their own and they says, Hey, we're going to do some private shares. We're going to do some founder shares and we want you to invest in our company. We think we have something special. And so you see them come to the market and he's like, man, blockbusters are so entrenched. They've been around for so many years. They were the first de facto standard when it came to home entertainment. And that's all we thought about. And there's no way I'm going to invest in these people. I don't know who they are. Um, they're just going to get all my money and I'm going to lose all my money. The thing when you're investing in uh, startups, you don't know what they're going to do. But let's say you had $10,000 laying around, right? You had $10,000 laying around and you said, I'm going to put this whole 10,000. Like when you go to Vegas, you said, I'm going to be, I, this is my last shot. I'm going to put it all here. I hit, I hit big, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put this 10,000 in and I'll make a hundred thousand. Right. And, but that's your last 10. And that's the same way it was when you would have been investing in an aggressive growth company like Netflix. Well, had you put at least 10,000 in, you'd be a multimillionaire over by so many times. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but you would be a multimillionaire right now off a $10,000 investment. That's just 10,000, but that's aggressive growth. Did you have $10,000 to invest in a company you didn't know anything about? No. You might, you probably didn't. He says, man, I'm not going to, you become just going to put 10,000. What if you'd put a hundred thousand on them? You'd be a billionaire by several times over. And, and so my point is aggressive growth is, but what if they would have failed? What if they had bombed? You would have lost your entire $10,000. So you never invest no more than you can afford to lose. That is the rule. 
So that's what would have happened. That's aggressive growth. And that's an opportunity aggressive growth. And it's the same it would be for Amazon.com. No one, Amazon was not profitable for, I want to say, seven to eight years of existence when they first came out. They just could not turn a profit. They could not make a dollar. And a lot of people bailed ship. I admittedly was one of them because I was like, this company is going nowhere. They're, they're just too big. They're not going to move it. And I started seeing other companies like Webvan and all that go out of business, all these other e-commerce companies. So I pulled my money out, right? I, I could be retired. I'd be doing no podcast. You wouldn't hear from me or nothing. Actually, I'd probably still be doing podcasts. But um, so Amazon didn't make, a lot of people don't know that about Amazon, but they could not make a profit for their first several years in existence, they could not make one dime. They lost, they were bleeding money, just blowing through it. Now they're they're one of the, the largest companies in the world as a result. But could you have invested $10,000 in them? Same principle. You would be a multi-billionaire right now had you put you know at least 100,000 into uh, Amazon. But that was a risk. That is aggressive growth. Those two companies were aggressive growth. Right. That's the that's the premise of me explaining to you what aggressive growth is. You just don't know what the future is going to hold for that particular company, but you're making a bet against it that, that they would be successful. As I close, I want to give you the sweet spot. And uh, I have lots of classes around this. I have lots of workshops and seminars around this. But the sweet spot is growth and income. So let's do a recap. We talked about cash. We talked about income. Now we talk about growth and income, right? Because four is growth, five is aggressive growth, but growth and income sits right in between. It's five elements, I told you, but it sits right between. It's number three, sits before um, growth, and it sits right after income. So it's growth and income, it's combined. And what growth and income gives you is the best of both worlds. It says, hey, listen, if the market goes up, I wanna be able to participate and I wanna, you know, like my mom say, I want you to bring my change back. Well, I can participate in that. But if the market doesn't do well, and the market is is floundering, like we go through these periods where the market does these crazy things, like when COVID-19 came out, people didn't really know what the market was doing. But if you had income, you still would be able to receive income on those investments. So the investments that you buy, they're growth, they're, they give you not only growth, but they give you income as well. So you get the best of both worlds. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the sweet spot. I wanted to share that with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Goodbye for now.